0: Um, I was talking to my therapist this week sure. and I was like, yeah, coronavirus is crazy. I'm seeing folks here like making a little coronavirus pods and like mm. hanging out with people. And he yeah. was like, you know, Sam, people need that. People need people. So I get it. it. Like no one can be perfect in this. I think at the start of the pandemic, everyone was like, never leave your house. Never right. do anything. Do right. not breathe and drink Lysol. That's it. <laughs> and Sam, like,
1: <laughs> do not bring up that Lysol with me right now. You know how I feel about it. Hey, y'all, this is Sounds Like Betty. This week on the show, we answer your everyday questions about coronavirus. All right, let's start the show.
0: Hey, y'all, you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. And this week on the show, we are keeping calm and carrying on in the midst of this pandemic. It is what, like week, a million of this thing and just getting through life every day, it can be a lot. Even just going out for a walk or going to the grocery store can be extremely anxiety-inducing. So we asked a bunch of you, our listeners, to send me your everyday coronavirus questions. The kind of questions that in any other context might seem mundane. To help us out, we called up a friend of the show, Maddie Sophia. Am
1: I just, I'm like, shortwave host. That's, that's the little role I'm playing right here I think, right now. I okay. think
0: your answers will be more important if you say that you have a PhD.
1: <laughs> Honestly, in my own family, I found that that is not the case, Sam. But yeah, <laughs> let's try Let's see if people listen to it.
0: I'm joined by CDC chief Maddie Sophia. <laughs> All right, Maddie is not the CDC chief, but she is the host of NPR's daily science podcast, Shortwave. And also, as you heard, uh, she has a PhD in microbiology. So clearly, we put your questions to the best of the best. So in the spirit of public service and answering those questions, we're bringing <laughs> you on this episode. And so we're going to toss some of those to you, but um, we should set some ground rules before we begin. Like yes, how absolutely. How much can we really answer every question? I don't know. You know more. You're a PhD.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think any time that you're talking about coronavirus, there are some like General ground rules that you've got to think about any decision you're going to make, because what you're doing is deciding between different levels of risk, and that's going to be different for every person and what they need. So one thing you always have to pay attention to is the amount of coronavirus in your community. Right. Mm. So right now there are different amounts of risk in different places. So you want to really keep an eye on that. And then the other thing you have to keep in mind is your health status and the health status of the people around you that you're sharing spaces with. So if I'm a person that's immunocompromised, maybe I'm undergoing treatment for cancer or I'm like my 88-year-old grandmother, the risks are different. So you got to keep that in mind. And then the last thing to think about, Sam, is like, what is the risk of the activity you're going to do? And then one thing that people think about less, which is how much payoff do you get from that activity? You Mm. know what I mean? So if you're alone... And you haven't seen anybody for weeks and you're feeling depressed, maybe a little isolated. There's a big payoff to spending time with somebody. So those are kind of the general ground rules to get us started on before we give advice for any of these questions.
0: All right. With that, let's get to the questions. We got so many from our listeners. Yeah, we picked a few and showed them to you. So we're going to have you answer them right now. And I'll Mm -hmm. provide color commentary throughout. You're welcome. Yeah,
1: Sure. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) All right. First question. What's the deal with running? I've heard mm-hmm. conflicting things. What's the likelihood of it being spread if someone runs past me?
1: OK, so this question makes total sense to me because I think there were some scary kind of initial studies around I this. I there been, was one yeah,
0: where it said yeah. like runners could spread it for 20 feet and they were these vectors. Yeah, but that was yeah. kind of mildly debunked.
1: Yeah, it was kind of dismissed. I mean, there were parts of it that made sense, but it, it wasn't considered to be like actually a real-world scenario that was tested. And it's really hard to test that. So, you know, when I think about running, of course, it depends on what space you're in, right? So, mm-hmm. outside in fresh air, you're going to have a lower risk. If you're somebody's, if you're wearing a mask, if that person's wearing a mask, all of those things kind of factor in. And as best we can tell, Sam, as you know, somewhat a general rule. The majority of transmission happens in close indoor situations where mm. you're spending a good bit of time together. That is why it is absolutely essential to be wearing a mask, especially inside. It doesn't mean that there's no risk if you're outside and there's you know only a brief encounter, uh, but it's reduced. So if you're running and you pass somebody for a second... I'm not super worried about that situation. Now, if they cough and sneeze and you just slam right into it, Sam, that's a different scenario. You go home, wash your face, wash your hands. But the you know the experts that I'm talking to are not super worried about that situation. All right,
0: follow-up question for you on this mm-hmm. topic. As a runner, I have heard mixed messaging about wearing a mask when you run Mm, some folks mm -hmm. say well you're outside you're moving fast just dodge and leave and stay away from people yeah others are like you have to have it on all the time Mm -hmm. when i i've done both but when i've tried to run with a mask on my entire five miles i end up with a wet mask and it's like i'm Mm -hmm. waterboarding myself
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, wearing a mask if you can is a good situation. And if you're in a really, really busy city, and you can't get away from people, if you're like constantly dodging people, I actually do think it's probably a good idea. But if you're in an area where it's a little bit more open, I would say it's probably okay not to wear a mask when you're running. Uh, Again, Anytime you have the choice between them, a mask is going to be a safer bet. But if you can get up really early before somebody's out there or go somewhere else and and it's, you know, like either I'm not going to run or I'm going to run without a mask, then I think that's a decision you have to make.
0: So you're saying we should be doing 3 a.m. runs in cemeteries.
1: I'm saying, get, Sam, stop phoning it in. Get up at 3 a.m. and get this done.
0: <laughs> get it done. Get it done. Yes. Next question from a listener okay, let's do about Animals. Can I say hi to other people's dogs? Oh, yeah. Sam, question:
1: Is this question from a listener? or Is this
0: question? (laughs) This question is from my heart. (laughs) This question is from my heart because I need to talk to the doggies (laughs) and make sure they're okay.
1: Okay, so I looked this up because I wasn't sure, and the CDC has weirdly complicated guidance on this. So, really, some pets, like dogs or cats, have caught COVID from humans, but. The CDC also says the risk of dogs then giving COVID to people is considered low. Like there's no evidence that you can get it from the fur or the hair of other pets. But But, if you're one
0: of those owners that kisses your dog on the mouth. Well,
1: I was just about to say (laughs) so. But because the CDC still says you should not interact with dogs outside their household. So I'm like, man, I guess the CDC is worried about people getting pet saliva in their mouths but you shouldn't be macking on somebody else's dog anyways, sam you listen. know what i mean
0: don't if you see a dog and the dog is really 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 cute
1: oh my god you're part of the, the problem sam i cannot miss the kiss i cannot miss the kiss <laughs> you are you are gonna have to definitely miss the kiss for a while sam but <laughs> so but i will say honestly you know briefly a dog has come up to me in the dog park its owner is far away i, I have pet it I'll say it i have pet it but this is official guidance is leave those dogs alone sam
0: okay understood understood all right okay this is one that gives me so much i think about this question every day and i get mad about it because no one can tell me what the right Mm -hmm. deal is what is the deal with wiping down groceries and should Mm. anyone actually be doing this
1: okay so this is a great question and again sam it's not you know like it's a level of risk that you're trying to decide here. So mm-hmm. I like this question because it really gets to the question about picking up the virus from surfaces. Right. So I would say, generally speaking, the contaminated surfaces that I'm worried about most are those like at surfaces at hospitals or in small enclosed spaces without much airflow that a person has been in for a really long time. Or surfaces that come in contact with your face or mouth a lot like a cell phone. Those are surfaces that I'm, I'm going to wipe down most of the time. I'm not as worried about a package of uh, Oreos, double stuffed specifically, to be clear, from the groceries. (laughs) Like, I'm not that worried about it. So what I do is I wear a mask, I hand sanitize when I'm shopping, certainly after interacting with the cashier. I get home, I unload the groceries, I wash my hands. But, you know, again, this is a decision that I'm making as a healthy human. So if you're particularly worried or you have a condition that makes you susceptible, there's no harm in being extra safe.
0: Okay. Well, this is also like this gets to a larger question, which I still ask a lot, is like, how long can this thing really just live mm. on a surface? And yeah. I'm still not sure we know. And I think it varies by surface and by condition. It does. Okay. It does.
1: And another thing to think about is just because some virus is on a surface doesn't mean it's still infectious. You know, it mm. doesn't mean there's enough of it to get you sick necessarily. It's, it's all kind of a numbers game. So, you know, surfaces are not something to be totally dismissed. I'm not saying that. But generally speaking, with groceries, that kind of stuff, uh, you can wipe them down if you want to. But that's not the highest risk scenario I'm worried about.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. You should Mm -hmm. just avoid making out with the cashier's dog at the grocery store. I
1: mean, Sam, if you can, it sounds like it's gonna be a struggle for you.
0: <laughs> I don't want people writing in thinking weird things about me and dogs. <laughs> I, am, I am totally above board, okay? Okay? All right, next oh question. <laughs> How often should I disinfect my phone?
1: Oh, yes, yeah. You know this is a nasty surface, Sam. Phones
0: are so nasty. They're phones so are like nasty. Phones are like the toilet seats of public life.
1: I mean, Sam, do you bring your phone into the bathroom with you? Be honest
0: you know if, if i'm going to be there a while uh, this is what i'm
1: saying so you got to be you've got to be wiping that surface like it's next to your face it's next to your mouth we think with coronavirus if you're getting it for a surface it's from touching that surface and then touching your hands or mouth and there's nothing that i put closer to my face than my mm-hmm. phone so i disinfect my phone a lot i try to do it when i wash my hands cuz i wash my hands and i'm going to touch this dirty phone again i don't think so yeah. so i have put hand sanitizer directly on my phone in Same. a pinch which oh, is yeah. It's not the best way, like a little bleach wipe will do you good, but it's definitely something you want to be doing.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Does alcohol lower my ability to fight COVID?
1: Mm, Sam. Don't give me. Don't,
0: don't, 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 don't depress me with this answer.
1: I will say you will be devastated to know that alcohol does suppress the immune response as a general Uh, rule, especially if you're drinking a lot. And the NIH even put out this statement that says if you're drinking when you're exposed to coronavirus, it hampers your immediate ability to to stave off infection. I know. I know. And the other thing to think about here, Sam, though, is when you're drunk. You're also making decisions that you might not make when you're sober, Sam. I mean, this accounts for my entire junior year of college. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, there are decisions that I wish I could undo. So it's not just about your immune system. It's also about how close are you going to get to somebody? How loud are you going to talk? So unfortunately, Sam, for you, I can hear it in your voice. You're sad. But there are a lot of good reasons not to be drinking in a large group of people right now, at least excessively.
0: Okay. Okay. All right, next question. If I get a piece of hair stuck in my mouth while wearing my mask, it feels like an existential dilemma. What should I do? All right, sorry, just sidebar real quick. Mm -hmm. I'm the guy in the restaurant where if I see a piece of hair in my food, I'm like, well, the hair got cooked. We're good. Yeah. And I just eat it. I really well, like I'm glad I don't you care have, honestly
1: for this answer I'm glad you have a pro eating hair mentality because <laughs> I will say as a person who has worked in a lab with infectious pathogens when I'm trying not to touch my face and like one little tiny stray hair gets out of my hair tie I will say you learn to eat that hair Sam it's part the of the hair. journey. It's part the
0: of the hair.
1: journey. But but I do think, you know, it depends on where you are. If you have a safe space to take your mask off, deal with the hair, wash, hand sanitize, put that mask back on. I don't have time for all that. So you just eat that hair and you be strong. You eat know? that
0: hair. Also, let's, let's be real here. Most hair is cleaner than your cell phone.
1: Because <laughs> a probably lot of true, folks Sam. out here
0: wash their hair more than their phones.
1: <laughs> Ew, that's true.
0: <laughs> I speak truth. I know y'all don't want to hear it, but you need to. okay next question can you contract covid from a swimming pool
1: well 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 finally i have some good news sam thank
0: you about time (laughs)
1: So according to the CDC, there's no evidence that you could pick up COVID from pool water, like just from being in a pool with somebody
0: who had COVID. Chlorine in it. I know. Well, there's a
1: lot of situations going on. One of them is that it's diluted, right? So it's like diluted in a bunch of other. I mean, a bunch of other stuff. Let's be honest. But Mm -hmm. so. But what I would say is that, like, I would never go to an indoor pool right now. Okay. You know, I would be really careful about social distancing outside the pool, around the pool. Like, as soon as I get back to my little chair, I'm putting my mask on for sure around all these people that I don't know. Um, And I wouldn't be getting closer to six feet. So you still have to keep yourself kind of away from people while you're in the pool. Like, I wouldn't go into a super crowded pool. But the water itself should not get you sick.
0: Okay. Good to know. Mm. Last question, actually. Oh, a heart-wrenching <laughs> question. How do I smile at people while wearing a mask? Honestly,
1: Aww. Sam. Yeah, wow. These. I mean, the emotional range of these questions are killing me. It's a me lot.
0: Color. It's, a, it's lot. a
1: good question, Sam. I guess with your eyes, I don't know. I've also found <laughs> scientifically that waving works. Okay. But, you know, smile with your eyes, scream inside your heart, hashtag 2020. This wow. is what you
0: know? Wow. <laughs> Can we make t-shirts that say that? <laughs> smile with your eyes, scream inside your heart. I love it. Yes. Well, thank you for answering my and other listeners' COVID questions. And thanks to those listeners for sending the questions in. Jesse, Hannah, Catherine, Sarah, Marisol, Natalie, Alyssa, and Annie. I will add one last follow-up question based Mm. on seeing all these questions come in. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have so much anxiety around coronavirus and this pandemic. It's approaching like OCD. How can people throughout their day take care of their anxiety around this pandemic?
1: Yeah, I mean, Sam, this is a big question, right? Like there's something to be said about us knowing that we're going to be in this for a while, right? And that's pretty scary. But I think one thing that gives me a little bit of solace and a little bit of hope is that we're not helpless, In this situation. You know what I mean? There are things we can do to minimize our risks. There are things we can do to take care of our essential workers who are keeping this country afloat right now. And that is trying to take care of each other, trying to take care of your mental health, you know, trying to exercise outside when you can. And, and know that we do have some agency here we can make changes that can help us get to the other side of this uh however long that will be and so sometimes that's something that i hang on
0: to yeah pet your dog don't kiss your dog don't and go outside i mean
1: don't certainly don't be kissing other people's dogs sam we need to have a talk on the way home in the car <laughs> they're about so this. cute oh my they're god so sam cute. get your mouth off these dogs
2: This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who specialize in issues such as isolation, depression, stress, anxiety, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment when you need professional help. Get help at your own time and your own pace. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Visit betterhelp.com minute to learn more and get 10% off your first month. This message comes from NPR sponsor Discover. Sometimes food is more than just food. It's an integral part of the community. So this year, Discover is giving $5 million to support black owned restaurants to places like Rodney Scott's Barbecue in Charleston, Post Office Pies in Birmingham, Back in the Day Bakery in Savannah, and hundreds more places in your local community all across the country. Learn how you can show your support at discover.com. Until recently, Edmund Hong says he didn't speak out against racism because he was scared.
0: My parents told me not to speak up because they were scared. But I'm tired of this. Listen now on the Code Switch podcast from NPR. We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. Joined this episode by dear friend and colleague, Maddie Sophia. A lot of you know Maddie from her hosting duties on NPR's shortwave podcast, a daily podcast all about science. But Maddie, I'm so glad to have you here for this next segment because it's really not about science.
1: Oh, yeah. All right. (laughs) Sam, this is all I do, Sam. This is all I've got. This is my whole identity. Here we go.
0: Well, we're gonna play my favorite game right now. It's called Who Said That? Who said that? Who said that? I'll share a quote from the week. You gotta guess who said it or guess the story that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The winner gets nothing. The loser gets nothing. But either way, you'll kind of be a winner because either your way, I get embarrassed. Is, is
1: how I'm imagining. This either way, going. you get go. embarrassed. Here we, Here we go.
0: Here we go. You're gonna be I'm pop culture fine. with the
1: rest of the kids. I I'm on the yeah. twitters. Here we go.
0: Hello, fellow youths. (laughs) All right, first quote. Tell me what big company said this. Here's a quote. We want to be clear. We disagree that any of these labels are racist. We do not make decisions based on petitions. Who said that?
1: Big company that, wow. uh, Sam, that's a wide berth. I could see a lot of big companies (laughs) saying that right now. Let me give
0: you a hint. One of my favorite grocery stores, probably one of your favorite grocery stores.
1: It can't be Wegmans. (laughs)
0: Wow, high brow.
1: Is it Wegmans?
0: <laughs> no, this is the grocery store everyone shops at in college because they have the best snacks and they're cheap.
1: Oh, grocery store. They have some some, uh, some gro- grocery store.
0: And they had like different ethnic names for their different varieties oh, of ethnic foods. Oh, this is
1: Trader Joe's with that all that nonsense they have on their packages. Yes.
0: Yes, Trader Joe's, because 2020 is coming for everyone. I mean... They're under pressure honestly, to change some of the names they use for their food.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, I've seen that, and I'm like, what are you? what is this? What are you doing?
0: I didn't know how widespread it was, so I knew that they were using... Trader Jose for mm-hmm. their Mexican mm-hmm. foods, mm-hmm. but they also used Trader Mings to brand their Chinese foods, Arabian Joe for their Middle Eastern foods, not. Trader Giatos for Italian foods, and this one I had never heard before. They call their Japanese cuisine the brand name for that is Trader Josan.
1: Absolutely what? not, Sam. I don't even like you. I, I don't know. even like hearing you say them. I, right?
0: It's weird. It's so weird. there was a petition uh, to have them stop doing that. And Trader Joe's said this week, we might change some, but we're not bowing to pressure. Really? Uh, and that comment they gave was to USA Today. They were kind of defensive. Whenever Weird someone move, starts Trader a Joes. statement with, we want to be clear. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Like, that's okay. true. That,
1: there's never been a good conversation after that.
0: <laughs> it's like when your mother calls you by your mm. full name. Mm. <laughs> They're mm. not playing mm. around. No, absolutely not. Do better, Trader Joe's. All right. You got that one. Yes. Congratulations. Next quote. Tell me, this was a viral quote praise that swept the internet this week Uh tell me what i'm talking about do people not know you can just post a hot selfie for no reason
1: oh is this the black and white vibe that challenge
0: yeah the black and white challenge all right maybe you know more about it than i do i'm still confused as to what it actually is no idea um A lot of listeners you may have seen in recent days, uh, a lot of women that you follow on Instagram, famous or not, have been posting black and white selfies under the hashtag challenge accepted. It's a black and white portrait of herself with the caption that gestures at the idea of women supporting one another. And at first it was cute, but because (laughs) the Internet, within like a day or two, everyone was like, this is stupid. We don't like it. It's not real empowerment. Mm -hmm. Uh, But everyone did it. Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Lopez, Ivanka Trump, this girl I used to date in college. Like, everyone did it. And I Ivanka don't...
1: Trump, this girl I used to date in college, everybody. <laughs>
0: everybody. Did you see it a lot this week?
1: I saw okay. it. I did see it. And I have been invited uh, as well. But as a person that is uh, very much offline, um, I was mm. like, hmm, sounds hard. Sounds difficult. I can't be having 65 selfies trying to get the right one right now. You know what I mean?
0: True true all right last quote i think we're just gonna play the song for you and you have to guess who said it oh no it's is, a pretty so famous cool. actor oh
1: no if you come within six feet it's mask on mask on mask on mask on but if you got antibodies it's pens off pens off pens off pens off wow 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 this is some immunology based music i'm trying to think okay First of all, I'm a little concerned with them saying if you have the antibodies, it's pants off because we don't necessarily know how antibodies correlate to <laughs> well, but this fine, guy but knows. fine, you're right, you're right. That's not the point. I don't <laughs> I don't know. God, I have like
0: Do you watch Succession on HBO?
1: No, but I've heard things.
0: It's one of the Imagine characters Imagine Dragons
1: Succession. they had to buy? I, no. I don't know. Ma'am,
0: what? Wait, wait, not it's not a band, it's a
1: person. Okay, wait, strike that. It's down. an
0: actor who made a song.
1: Oh, an actor who made a song. Okay.
0: An actor from HBO Succession, which you have not watched, so that hint is not helping you. No,
1: I feel bad about this. Okay. I've got nothing.
0: This song is written and performed by Nicholas Braun, who plays Cousin Greg on HBO Succession. All right, okay. So this whole thing is a joke. It's a joke single. The song is called Antibodies, Do You Have The? And (laughs) it's all about the desperate search for love in the COVID era. And so Bron had teased the concept for the song on Instagram just being funny. Mm -hmm. And an A&R person from Atlantic Records sent him a DM being like, you should actually make this a song. And so they made it a song, they made an absurd music video for it. And now it's gonna be a benefit for Partners in Health and the COPE program.
1: Oh, huh, okay. Right? Okay.
0: Thanks, Cousin Greg. <laughs> it is a catchy song, though not scientifically and medically sound.
1: I'm just a little nervous about it, you know what I mean? That's what my job is, being a little bit nervous for all of you.
0: Shall we uh, sing ourselves to break? <laughs>
1: absolutely, If absolutely. you come
0: within six, no, we have to sing an Imagine Dragons song. I just, leave,
1: just leave me alone. I, did, I thought it was a I bad. like them.
0: I yeah. know, that's kind of why I guess. What's their biggest song? Uh, him and I face a day. Yeah, it's a top day. I'm waking for up. Well, I know oh, they yeah. say I'm waking up and then it's <laughs> like the bump-
1: Yeah. Mhm. No, I think we got it.
0: The sound of my voice singing Imagine Dragons will actually expel coronavirus <laughs> from anyone's body. <laughs> Maddie, you won the game.
1: I, well, I definitely won the game, kind you of, You definitely
0: right? won the game. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you, Maddie, for your time this Absolutely,
1: episode. Absolutely, Sam. It's always fun to be with you.
0: All right, time for a break. When we come back, we talk about my favorite new show, Indian Matchmaking, BRB. Support
2: for this podcast comes from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age. I'm Jen White, the new host of NPR's 1A, a daily show that asks America what it wants to be. Hear from people across the country, listeners like you, with conversations for the relentlessly curious on the issues that matter most. Join me next time on 1A from NPR and WAMU.
0: We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. All right, so a lot of you probably know by now, I watch a lot of Netflix. Sometimes for work, most of the time just for me. Anywho, last week, just like every other week, yet another new show popped up on my Netflix that I could not ignore.
3: I'm Seema Taparia. I'm Mumbai's top matchmaker.
0: That show is called Indian Matchmaking, and it stars that woman you just heard, Seema Taparia, from Mumbai. She's this matchmaker on the show with a bunch of her clients. This show, it is so much fun, but it's also in some ways very problematic. I had a lot of questions about that conflict, and to talk it out, I knew just who to call. Hafsa, hello. How are you? Hi,
3: Sam. I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm good. I miss you. It's been how many weeks since you stopped interning for us? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is Hafsa Fatima. Until recently, she was our intern here at It's Been a Minute, and I've noticed that she has been tweeting all about Indian matchmaking since that show dropped. So I will let her tell you what the show's all about.
3: It's an Indian reality show that kind of details the way that arranged marriages happen um, not just in the US but also in, back home in India um, and it kind of walks you through the process that a lot of I guess younger Indian Millennials are going through like how like they're navigating this cultural tradition that has been you know embedded in Indian culture for so long um, they're following it and they're kind of exploring how it's turning into like this new almost kind of a dating situation so I found that Really interesting.
0: Yeah, and I was surprised by how much of a business this is. So the mm-hmm. main character is this woman called Seema Auntie. Yep. And her job is just to be a matchmaker.
1: In
3: India, marriage is a very big industry. A very big fat industry.
0: And it is it is a business. She goes out to find clients, she works with the families to help them find matches, she consults astrologists to see if these things will work. And there's a whole regimented process. You know, she will send potential mates what's called bio data, Mm -hmm. where it's like a one-page rundown of who this person is, Mm -hmm. and then you pick and see if you like them or not. It is much more intricate of a process than I think I assumed before watching it.
3: Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And, like, that definitely, like, I know, like, a lot of my cousins, like, went through that process of, like, you guys, like, swap And I think someone actually like described it as manual Tinder on the show, which is a very good description because it essentially is that, right? Like you have this one person who is like the medium between these two families, which in India is really important because um, the families also connect. Uh, It's not just those two people, which can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on, you know, (laughs) what your preference (laughs) is. Um, but yeah, I, I was, I was in awe, but I was also really scared of Seema, auntie. I was like, oh my God, she reminds me of every auntie that I left back home.
0: Yeah. I mean, I found it fascinating. And I think my biggest question with this show after having watched it is I'm not sure how to feel about it. So mm. I binged it when mm. I finally began to watch it and I loved it. It was just, it was hilarious. It was sweet. I liked all of the characters The pacing kept me involved. But then as soon as I was done binging the show, I began to read all the think pieces about it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of folks were saying, this show is problematic. They were saying, you know, it favors light-skinned people. It puts more of the burden on women. Mm -hmm. It's very classist. It's it's, It's just like all of these bad parts of finding a partner are on display. And throughout the whole show, no one checks that. And so I wondered should I have been offended more watching this show? Like, Hufsa, am I a bad person for just not caring about those bad parts of the show and just enjoying Indian matchmaking?
3: Sam, you are a terrible person. You need to go repent immediately. You're canceled. <laughs> 2020 is the year that we cancel Sam Sanders, and I regret to say that to you. <laughs> um, No, but, but it is true. I mean, so, like, okay, so there's good and there's the bad, right? And my, like, brother and I were actually talking about this yesterday. So... We spent the last ten years in India. Like I moved back when I was in high school. Um, I lived in a city called Chennai, which is a city in southern India, um, in Tamil Nadu. So, like being from India, like is definitely a big formative part of who I am. You know, I think that Western media has a tendency to portray India in a very condescending way, and I didn't see that here. So that was one of the positives, right? Like. Oftentimes in Western media, you see India kind of reduced or Indians kind of reduced to a stereotype. So I think like that's why I loved the character of Ankita so much. Like she was the fashion designer, right? She, yeah. So she was the one who had the um, denim like fashion wear brand. And she was the one who was constantly told like, oh, you have to lose weight. You have to be more adjusting. Like you should like drop your life to go live with this man that you don't even know, and like she pushed back, and I'm like, yeah, like that's like my mom, like those are my aunts, like these are my friends.
0: I can look after myself. A man's support is a man's support.
3: But but in this but case partners girl, need
0: to be equal, equally strong. Yeah, it
3: could be. These are the women that I know in India that I rarely ever see represented on something as global and big as Netflix. Mm. So I think kind of like just seeing her push back and saying like I'm gonna stand my ground was, I think, one of the best positives of the show, and I really appreciated that.
0: But, so, like, there's positives like that. Like, we are seeing fully formed, independent, young Indians who are their own people and are just as smart and global and worldly as anybody else. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, you know, by showing these characters in that realness— we see this dark underbelly of Indian matchmaking.
3: Yeah, for you sure. You know,
0: all of these couples are thinking about skin tone, mm. and Sima Auntie, the matchmaker, is matching fair skinned people with other fair skinned yeah. people and talking about that candidly. Mm-hmm. And so some of that stuff was problematic. Mm-hmm. How do you take in the good stuff you're talking about as well as that bad stuff
3: no i definitely think that like you need to push back and i think that was one of the things that really like bothered me about the show just like the blatant colorism especially in the last episode i think there was a young woman from san diego um and i don't want to name her but she is like rattling off you can
0: name her why not okay her name is
3: richa Sorry, Richard, that I have to call you out on NPR. Um, but like she is rattling off like her expectations. I don't want to fly on the wall. Likes to go to the gym,
1: likes to stay fit.
3: Somebody maybe that could cook with me. And she just blatantly says it. She's like, mm-hmm. not too dark, you know, like fair skin. And then someone would. I don't want someone who's like dark skinned. I want someone who's light skinned. Right. And I understand that reality shows are not there to moralize or, you know, tell us what's bad or good. Love is blind is proof of that. But like, how do we continue to give these things a pass? right? Under the guise of culture. Like at some point it is something that we need to have a really serious conversation about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you think overall that the show itself, Indian Matchmaking, is a vote in favor of arranged marriage or actually a funny indictment of arranged marriage?
3: So I think it is a humorous criticism of some of the aspects of of an arranged marriage. Like there are expectations like a Barna, like wanting someone who knows where the Bolivian salt flats but, are. You know, when I told him I wanted to go to Bolivia during the wet season to see the flamingos in that red lake, he looked at me blankly. He didn't know Bolivia had salt flats. Like there are like, all of oh. like these small things that the show is making fun of. But I think I will give them props for kind of emphasizing how important consent and how important, you know, autonomy is when it comes to these marriages. So it is kind of showing you how... The system is evolving, and how people who, you know, even if they're raised abroad, even if they're raised here in America, they're educated, they're working, you know, like they have the choice between a so called love marriage and arranged marriage. But for some reason, like they're still choosing this institution that their parents went into and they're redefining it for themselves. So, I mean, this definitely is a system that can work, I think, depending on the people who are in the marriage. Because I've been married for five years yeah. and I've realized that like, it doesn't really matter how you meet. It matters what follows after.
0: Hafsa auntie, Stop. perfect matchmaker.
3: <laughs> and, that's, and that's season two of, 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 of Indian matchmaking. I'm going to be the matchmaker. I wasn't going to reveal <laughs> it go. so callously, but you know, there we are. There that's, you go. People that's, need
0: that's to know. <laughs> Thanks again to Hafsa Fatima for joining us today. She is a journalist and our beloved former intern. We miss you, Hafsa. Come back.
1: Now it's time to end the show as we always do. Every week, listeners share the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag and they do. Let's hear a few of those submissions.
2: Hi Sam, this is Barbara in Urbana, Illinois best part of my week was spending my birthday with our son, Sam, and having our two-year-old grandson, Henry, lead us in a burping contest while we ate my birthday cake. Hey Sam, it's Tim and... Julian. (laughs) We're making our yearly call to tell you and your team about what a great week we had. It's actually more of a month, but Julian turned four, and what'd you get for your birthday?
1: I will watch
2: you add and more and all that kind of stuff. Hey Sam, it's Claudia from Lincoln, Nebraska, and the best part of my week was getting a new double bass. And yes, of course I had to name the base. So this is Clarence. Hi Sam, my name is Shayna. I'm in Portland, Oregon, and the best part of my week was going out night after night. I'm protesting for black lives in the Portland protests.
1: Um, I actually was let go at my job about a week ago, and the best thing that happened to me this week is that I've been reached out to by nearly 50 of my coworkers, providing me and sending me love and support and offering me any guidance, and I
0: feel like I am on cloud nine. Hi Sam, this is Arthi in Philadelphia. The best part of my week happened when my two kids spontaneously decided to go for a walk in a passing thunderstorm. Our family has been recovering from COVID-19 we all got in the spring, and seeing my kids in this everyday act of joy gave me
2: a profound sense of relief. Hi, Sam. This is Megan Alderman in Indianapolis, Indiana. And the best part of my week was uh, one day after work I got home and my four-year-old and my two-year-old dragged me outside in the rain and we jumped and danced in puddles uh, for about an hour and it was just a magical experience, especially during this crazy, crazy COVID time. I hope you have a great week. Thanks. Thanks, Sam. You want to say goodbye to Sam? Bye, Sam. (laughs) Bye, Sam and team. Love the show. Keep hey, it up. Nom Nom. Ooh, Nom
0: Nom's having a good time. With that sucker, isn't it? Thanks to all those listeners you heard there. Megan, Arthi, Ryan, Shayna, Claudia, Tim and Julian, and Barbara. Listeners, don't forget, you can be a part of this segment as well. Send your best things to us at any time throughout the week. Just record yourself on your phone and send the audio file to me at samsanders at npr.org. Sam Sanders at npr.org. All right, this week the show was produced by Janae West, Anjali Sastry, and Andrea Gutierrez. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our director of programming is Steve Nelson. Our big boss is NPR's senior VP of programming, Anya Grunman. Listeners, till next time, I'm Sam Sanders. We'll talk soon.